Hi, I'm Cláudia Ribeiro. Welcome to the Chats by Club. For more than 10 years, the Club platform brings inspiring stories about people and travel on different channels, newsletters, the Club magazine, and this podcast. Access our Instagram at ByClo and subscribe for free. Ah, and follow me on my Instagram account at CloudRebeiro. The PR industry is a huge business in the United States. The sources projected that the revenue will grow up to $19 billion until 2020. As we live in the social media moment, people and companies are more and more exposed, creating a market trend, the crisis management. Movements like Me Too made important names like Donna Karen make controversial statements, making her PR team work hard to fix the damage. So where is the PR industry going now? What are the trends? To answer all of these questions, I have Lisa Smith as my guest today. She's the founder of the PR Net, a member's network of publicists, marketers, and media influencers working in the lifestyle industry. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Thanks for being here and being part of our first podcast at the Mondrian Park Avenue. Thanks for having me. Sure. My pleasure. Sure. So I'd like to start our conversation because right now, We're having this different moment about content, how mm -hmm. it's being published, how brands work their content, and you're in the middle of this. So how do you see this moment of the content in different platforms? I think if I relate it to the PR and communications industry, uh, we were a little bit of a nexus for a lot of companies working in that space. I would say it's... I would call it a rapid evolution within a, a specific ecosystem. So the ecosystem being media, marketing, communications. Mm -hmm. When I say rapid, I would say that the industries change more in the last five years than in the previous 50. Okay. In terms of the scope of work people now are having, the whole nature of the industry. When I say ecosystem as well, I feel like as one area of the industry has shrunk over time, so traditional media has shrunk, you know, then obviously the blogger and influencer community has sprung up to kind of take its place. So it's all the people are kind of floating around in the ecosystem, but mm -hmm. they've just popped up in a slightly different iteration, if that makes sense. But for the brands that you work with, mm -hmm. um, how do you see that they, they can separate what they're going to work online with bloggers, online mm -hmm. with websites, or online with a magazine, for example? What do you see that is the difference about how they work it? I actually think that whether you're online, a digital influence, social media influencer, or just a more traditional media outlet, I think people on the communication side are, are interacting with you, pitching you, kind of uh, dealing with you in very much the same way, mm -hmm. um, in that they try to understand what your needs are as an editor, whether you're a social media influencer or you know, a magazine editor, um, understanding those and servicing those needs as best they can and communicating the brand story to you. So I, I would say that there's a lot of parallels between how they're interacting with those different sectors and a lot of like commonalities now. It's sort of merged. I, I mean, I personally see digital influences in much the same way as I see media 
you know, they're communicating a message. They may be a sort of more of a sole entity. Sometimes they're actually quite a big business and a, and a media property unto themselves. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I think that they're they're kind of in that same media bucket now. But but and definitely being taken a, a, more seriously, like a barrier for for influencers to start working content because what we always have as a I would say as a conflict is. There's no barrier. Everybody produces mm-hmm. content. Mm-hmm. And on their Instagram, they say, I'm a travel influencer. I'm this. And, and to be honest, everybody loves to travel. Mm-hmm. Who does? Mm-hmm. Right? So everybody says, oh, I love to travel. So I'm an influencer. Uh, I love fashion. So I'm an influencer. So how do you think that the brands today, they're separating who who's like real about providing this content or like it's just a girl that has a lot of followers and it's doing it? How do you... I think they're doing it through analytics. I think that part of the industry is catching up now. And, you know, there are means of obviously tracking engagement and then of conversion of sales through utilizing that influencer. And I think people are realizing sometimes someone with a smaller following actually might be more effective for their brand yeah. than someone maybe they have 2 million followers, but if that's not they're really not converting, if right. that's not resonating yeah. with their particular audience, then um, there's no point in working with that. And now I'd like to know more about the PR name. Yes. <laughs> so what were you feeling in the market that it was not being fulfilled before? How the idea came up? Uh, I would say there were a few different elements. I was working as a consultant in um, PR. This is probably back in late 2012. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just felt that the, the media landscape for the industry felt it just didn't feel modern. It didn't feel as though it was speaking to the interests or the tastes of, you know, lifestyle marketers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it felt a little staid and corporate. Um, and, and the same to be said with networking events. So industry networking events really felt like they weren't very inspiring. It didn't. So it was almost the, always the same thing. Well, I, I just think, you know, it might, they might be, it might be a conference around the PR industry, but you know, the speakers or the venue, it just didn't feel exciting. It wasn't, you know, somewhere that appealed to yeah. the demographic of people I was sort of working with to be involved in. So it definitely felt that there was a niche there and a need for people working in the business to network with each other, yeah. partner, understand what each other's working on. So yeah, I definitely saw an outlet for news and information and an, and a, and an online resource for PR and communications and marketing. And then the in real life connections through networking events. And then um, your goal, of course, is to connect all of the industries and like uh, yeah. media and PR That's and like, events, planners, marketing, media, you know, PR, anything. Again, with that ecosystem, again, we have a lot of creative entrepreneurs who have a product or service that also kind of, you know, um, caters to that industry. So mm-hmm. we have founders of you know my, maybe they've developed an event software platform or they have uh you know there's a company called 1229 who are members and they sent runway shows and they sent uh you know stores and things so it's anyone that feels like a natural fit uh within that community who would benefit from meeting other people who are marketers or work in that kind of space so how do you connect them through events, through mm-hmm. like your newsletters, how yeah. it works? Yeah. Well, the offline connections are through our event programming. So 
New York and Los Angeles are the main cities that we uh, hosted Anson. So we like to showcase new venues mainly. So new, a lot of new hotels, new members, clubs, restaurants, and other event spaces. Mm-hmm. So, and like different professionals are invited. So yes, um, editors or PRs or like exactly influencers, different people from it's from a the real cross section exactly, and people from. Art, fashion, travel, beauty, design, hospitality. We try to have a nice uh, spread of people in complementary fields. And they are members. They are members. It's a members organization. You know, when I say that we have a filter, it's not to be exclusive or anything. It's just more to make sure that everyone is, you know, a a good fit and will benefit um, from being part of the organization. And you have the events every month. How it's the... We do at least one event every month here and also in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll sort of splash in different cultural events, like maybe we might do something with the Armory Show or with a, you know, and maybe do a film preview. So some other cultural events as well as our uh, main networking event each month. And do you have, for example, for our followers, listeners in Brazil, they can be part of it or it's only for New York residents and, and and uh, LA residents Absolutely. because they can be traveling here and go to one of the events. They definitely can. Um, we have some members who are not based in the US. We have we've started to have a few Canadian mm-hmm. members, which is exciting. And then there's also been a lot of interest to start PRNet London. Oh. Uh, yeah, some of the people who were part of PRNet New York have relocated to London, and you know they felt that there was a, a need to have something yeah. like that over there. So uh, that's in the works. And then quite a few of the, you know, major agencies, you know, the communications yeah. store, Purple PR, et cetera, their headquarters are actually in London. So it, it might be quite a natural flow on that we have, you know, a chapter set up in London. And how do you activate these events? Like what are, what happens there to create a connection between yeah. all these people, not to, for them to be shy or like right. to, to really connect. Luckily, and usually publicists are not shy people. So yeah. that definitely is in our favor. And we find that, you know, the people that participate tend to be very friendly and collaborative. So that helps too. I've often seen people really kind of work the room in a lovely way. You know, they'll take the uh, opportunity to introduce themselves to a number of people. And, yeah. and we also circulate everyone's contact information after the event. So that helps people stay in touch. And it's interesting. In Brazil, we have kind of like the, I would say the practice that PR companies, they send press releases every day. Okay. A lot of press releases. And this is something that I notice here that it's not what happens. So your members, they also send you content to be sent to the other media members. I mean, often press releases, I think that whole dynamic has changed and people are mindful of editors' lack of time and mm. also bandwidth to ingest tons of information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very, you know, two paragraphs, who, what, when, you know, the basic information. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the lengthy press release is sort of getting phased out more so. We enable our members to be able to log into the site and actually post their own content mm-hmm. so that's available to them or oftentimes, you know, they'll send it that's to us to post yeah. on their behalf. Yeah, yeah. So it's a mix of both. And then other sections of, you know, our site and newsletter, we really, you know, take the editorial perspective and we'll interview people from, you know, like company founders, editors-in-chief, Anyone in that marketing, communications, and media mm-hmm. space. And what do you think that changed for the PR business in the last the last five years? I think that... Because uh, it changed a lot. It's changed immensely. I would say now we have to, you know, publicists have to wear 10 different hats. You know, we have to be aware of 
partnerships, social media, influencer marketing, you know, still media relations is in there, but just they have to really be jacks of many trades. And I think that's why quite a few companies are rebranding themselves, not just as such and such PR, but they're, you know, such and such consulting or agency, just to really, I suppose, show the breadth of the services that they now mm-hmm. offer. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of companies also are now becoming more holistic in that they offer digital services, um, content creation in-house. So that's another big change. But what do you, did you see for, for the last uh, three or five years that mm. you felt that industry changed in a way that the routine changed? So to give you an example, I saw that Burberry changed their way to communicate a lot. So they're doing press conferences online. They're just sending mm-hmm. everything online. They're not having events for press anymore to come and launch uh, a specific line or, mm-hmm. or make a statement about when, when the CEO was leaving, for example, it was everything online. So what do you see today that change about this modernity or like the, the, the routine and the process change? What mm-hmm. do you think that it's you would highlight about it? I think it's interesting that Burberry's done that. They've all, you know, historically been very progressive with bracing digital and mm. online technology. You know, I think people these days, you have, it's all about time efficiency. So creating an experience, an event just to maybe, you know, and make an announcement perhaps doesn't feel, especially for people, if it's a global market, you know, yeah. not everyone's going to be able to travel for that. So it's just engaging technology to help disseminate information in the most effect, time-effective way possible. What do you think is the most modern way to communicate today for brands that they, they have a PR and the PR is promoting their content? How do you think that it's the most modern way today to, to promote the content? I actually think it's a mix of new technologies and, and older sort of in real life activation. So mm-hmm. I think experiential mm-hmm. and actually creating experiences where people have a, a tactile engagement with a with a brand, that's also rising mm-hmm. as things become increasingly digital. So in terms of utilizing all the tools that are available, it's definitely a mix of embracing the digital but also using in real life. What is your vision about it's a tricky question. What is your vision about the transition of print media now? As far as will it sort of endure and what is the, will we only be reading things digitally mm-hmm. moving forward? You know, it's so hard to say. It, it, I interviewed an editor recently who was saying her responsibility for the print magazine is to make the most engaging, beautiful, impressive content in the printed magazine that takes it a level above what you can just access online. So it's like making a beautiful coffee table book that someone's actually going to hold onto for a year or more and and go back to and refer to because the imagery is so beautiful and the interviews are so great. So in some ways I think, you know, there, there will be people who do want that experience and do like the tactile nature of having a printed magazine. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I mean, I consume 99% 99% of media digitally, and I think that that definitely is such a strong trend that won't go away. So, but maybe do you think that everybody's aware of this transition and are changing the way that they produce the content? Or, for example, Condon Ask here, they're passing through a major change 
Um, I don't know if it's true. Maybe you know if if Anna Winter is leaving or not. She is or not? I don't think that's been confirmed or denied directly. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. She must, you know, I guess after such a lengthy career, there's only so long you can really continue working, you know, and, and also maybe she feels the time has come. It's time to pass the baton on to the But no confirmations new, for I haven't. Anna I haven't Winter. heard anything. I haven't heard anything, but I, I definitely think it's interesting that the publishing houses are going so many different avenues to drive revenue now. They're, yeah. they're realizing just selling a printed magazine is just not going to ensure their longevity. They need to become a brand unto themselves and monetize their brand, whether it's through you know events or other types of subscriptions and really looking at that piece. And as a working mom, pregnant, <laughs> you have just a few weeks, right? <laughs> I do, I do. Um, how is your lifestyle to work, to be in all of these events? What is your secret that you, we can share with our uh, readers? <laughs> I wish there were a secret. I would say uh, if you look to the pie chart of my day, it's, it's kind of, you know, a huge chunk is work and then the rest you know, bar maybe like a tiny little slice is parenting. So I'm just parenting and I'm working. I don't, you know, I don't have a lot of time to socialize or do, you know, I don't have hobbies that I pursue or I don't work out in a formal way. So it's just prioritizing. But do you have time for yourself? Do you wake up? No, not really. Not really? I'll be honest, not a lot of time for myself. Sometimes in transit, I actually still cycle around the city between me and, you know, in that moment, I guess that's my time to myself but there's definitely no secret I think it's just making you know I'm up very early it's making the most of every you know second in the day and for me I think because I'm away from my son you know during sort of the working day yeah. I really enjoy those few hours in the morning first thing and then in the evening after I get home so I choose to spend that time with him and, and but you know, your routine is in New York it's like you you go to your office or sometimes you sometimes you work from home it's so different every day I don't I tend not to work from home a lot because with Then a toddler I mean it's incredibly distracting yeah. I went home an hour early yesterday to avoid the storm and he yeah. was you know he's got so much energy and there's a lot of noise and interaction and I want to interact with you so it becomes very distracting but for example at the office do you have something that makes you to be like more productive there is something like there is this tomato I think it's tomato I forgot the name but it's it's a kind of an app that you have okay and it's called tomato something and it se separates in chunks your time to work so you work for 30 minutes straight and then you can talk on the phone like there are different ways to 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 be more productive I would say mm. and do you have something that you do during your your work day to be more productive or to to for example do you meditate what what kind of things you do during the day for at work that you think that you could give us as a advice Uh, I'll pass on some advice of a friend who has been a very successful entrepreneur and, mm -hmm. and is now a coach. One of the tips that always resonates with me is in your day, deal with the, your most disliked task first off. You know, don't procrastinate and also prioritize everything that you need to do. What are the, if you only did two or three things that day, what are the most important tasks mm -hmm. at hand that are going to have the most high impact on your overall business? So I always try to 
attack those. I'm a morning person too, but I really try to deal with those tasks first thing. Yeah. Um, and just get those out of the way and make sure, you know, and then the low impact kind of tasks, maybe you, if it's administrative or, you know, something like that, you might do it five o'clock in the afternoon as your, depending on how you find your energy flows through the day, I find I'm, I'm more effective in the morning. And he also counsels people to really, rather than just getting up in the morning and diving into ad hoc things that come your way, really being strategic and planning out, you know, your days, your weeks, your quarters and your, you know, what are your goals? Like, what do you need to achieve? So, you know, I try to always keep the priorities in mind and Mm -hmm. not get too... Mm -hmm. It's very easy to get stuck in hundreds of emails and just, you know, the minutiae of, like, responding to those and, like, having things come at you. I think it's it's much more effective to keep the priorities in mind and really just deal with those first. And talking about being productive, mm-hmm. what are the trends that you see for the next five years for the PR industry? Definitely everything is going more and more digital. If you're not engaging with influencers now, I mean, I feel like that ship has already sailed. I, I think most, you know, certainly from what I see from our members, everyone's well and truly embracing mm-hmm. that community. And it's it's actually a good thing that it's on the rise. I mean, you know, as I said, media is shrinking, so it's great to have all those avenues now. We can have the – I feel like it's such a massive global community of people that we can – utilize to communicate a brand message or product or but so. are the prs the pr companies working the same way or are they always still like i don't i i don't know exactly how they charge but they mm. charge like a monthly fee and then but how it will work for example for working with influencers so mm. the brand pays the monthly fee to be usually published in a magazine in a publication on a newspaper How it works for just like Instagram stories? How how can they prove these numbers for, for the client? How does it work? So, so oftentimes influencers will post about a brand without payment. That's definitely if they feel passionate about happens. it. It still happens. I mean, maybe not in the, the mega influencer level, the, you know, millions of followers. But yeah. even so, I think they have to still have an editorial lens over what they do and, and you know, seem credible in that way that, Quite a few of the products that they're commenting on are actually things that they choose to wear and that they like. For example, mm-hmm. I guess this is in the case of fashion influencers. So, you know, you can engage in that sort of just contra arrangement where there's not a payment to the influencer to, to utilize the product. But also I think you're still justifying the monthly retainer because so, you need someone to actually still make that, you know, connection with the person yeah broker the deal, you know, arrange the product to go out to them. So there is that back-end piece that, you know, previously PR people were doing with magazines, sending out samples, connecting with the editors, et cetera. Now it's just doing that but with influencers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got it. Mm. So thanks for coming. It's my pleasure. We love talking to you. And and we will have more details about the PR net for our followers and listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Claudio Ribeiro, and you just listened to the Chats by Claude. If you like this episode, please subscribe to our channel and receive the new ones right away. Oh, and please rate and review. Thank you, and I'll see you soon.